in, in our country, you know, in our society, we've sort of gone to this very extractive approach to farming. I mean, if you look at climate change and you look at the impacts, the food system is actually causing most of the damage. Welcome to Good and Grounded. I'm Jim Licko, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Laura Love. Uh, we're excited to figuratively get our hands dirty in today's episode, which is with Denver Urban Gardens Executive Director, Linda Apple-Lipsius. Denver Urban Gardens was founded in 1985 with the goal of supporting Denver residents in creating sustainable food-producing community gardens. Now, 35 plus years later, uh, Doug operates 190 plus community gardens throughout the Denver metro area, including more than 70 school-based community gardens. They also provide education and training programs, including extensive opportunities for youth education with nutrition and gardening. So Linda is an entrepreneur who previously founded Denver-based businesses Titulia and Mamahood. And a few years ago, she joined the Denver Urban Gardens Board. And when the opportunity presented itself to take on the role of executive director at Doug, like any good entrepreneur does, she jumped right in. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. I'm delighted to be here. Perfect. Well, let's start with just some context, some background for our conversation. I think most of us are familiar or have heard of Denver Urban Gardens. And when we think about the organization, gardens is actually what first comes to mind, I think, for most people. But that's really only a small part, not even a small part. It's a big part of what you do, but it's certainly not all of it. So there's also a big focus on the community, as Jim mentioned. Will you tell us a little bit more about Doug's mission and how that translates to our community? Yeah, absolutely. So um, our mission, and we've actually just updated our mission. Uh, the previous one was to put a community garden in every neighborhood, and that was largely achieved, which is really exciting. And so the Go Forward uh, mission is to provide the access, skills, and resources for people to grow healthy food in community and regenerate urban green spaces. Um, you know, we really believe that uh, growing food in community is just, I mean, it's, growing food is the most fundamental thing humans can do, uh, you know, and, and doing that in community, uh, you know, just bridges gaps. It's, you know, it, it's so much more fruitful um, <laughs> and you know and I think just just to answer your question you know it's, it's so much more than gardening and and we have also in addition to updating our mission we have what we call six impact areas and so yes gardens are really great places to grow you know vegetables they're also incredible for community building incredible for climate action skill building health and wellness food access and food sovereignty and then foodways, so connecting people to their cultural heritage through growing, you know, foods that they grew up with and that their ancestors grew as well. Yeah, that that's a really really good transition because one of my one of the things I wanted to ask about is just there's obviously the not so readily apparent benefits of gardening like mental health and well-being and like getting outside and the fresh air and getting your hands dirty and you know returning to nature at different aspects. Um, I know you garden personally as well. What what have you experienced and what have you heard from your gardeners about? their experiences since the pandemic hit when it comes to mental health and, and actually having that as an outlet, having the garden as an outlet to um, connect, I guess, to, to the earth and their community in different ways over the past couple of years. Yeah. I mean, so I joined Doug about a year and a half ago. So, um, you know, everything was definitely already, already happening. Um, we've had more people say that our gardens saved them. 
we were actually able to keep almost our entire network open and many community garden organizations around the country shut their gardens. So these were spaces, these were safe outdoor spaces that people could come together in community and like gives me chills. It's not, not just were they able to be around other people safely, they were digging in the soil and you know the, the mental and physical health benefits that just even come from digging in the soil and you know sort of all the all the micro you know microorganisms that that are beneficial that you're interacting with and also in in being empowered right to grow your own food so much was so out of control for so many people you know sort of in the depths of the pandemic and you know to get back the food access the food sovereignty to be in the driver's seat on you know such an important aspect of your life uh, it was really crucial. And so I think this was just a critical kind of through line for people um, when everything else was dissolving and, you know, and they were being cut off in so many other ways. So really, really grateful that we were able to keep the gardens open and support, you know, support the community that way. Honestly, I'm kind of tired of asking that question of our guests because I'm like ready to move on from the pandemic. But I think it's so unique to this organization for the Denver Urban Gardens and, and the gardeners that are out there of um, with the circumstances we were dealing with, it was an outlet. It was an opportunity to be outside. It's a popular hobby. It's something that people can keep their mind busy with. You can connect to community. I just remember those early days of like actually having somebody come to your backyard and having a very socially distanced gathering. And that's what the gardens basically were. And I, you know, I think, I think it's really neat to hear. I, I'm curious to hear a little bit about um, to that end what is the impact now that you're seeing? Is, is there a rise in popularity of people of interest with the gardens? Is, is, how has the pandemic then translated to today and what changes have you seen? Yeah, I mean, the engagement is definitely, you know, I think it, it, it went up, but it was also, I think it also became a much more highly valued sort of, you know, asset, if you will, um, you know, for the gardeners, um, something that we really started to focus on as an organization uh, that was really, well, in general, but exacerbated by the, by COVID is, you know, equity across the network, you know, and especially in COVID, like how much more, you know, it was just so important to make sure that all of our gardens were resourced equitably um, and resourced to thrive. Uh, and then you were asking about, you know, the community and sponsorships, you know, we, uh, we put in place a really neat program, a garden adoption program. Um, this year. And the idea was very much, you know, just for like a local restaurant or a nail salon to adopt the garden down the street. And yeah, and so much interest, right? It's like in, in ways to, you know, not just sort of financially support, but how do we really start to connect with our community and become one with them? Um, so yeah, a lot of enthusiasm for, you know, for much more deeper connection. I want to go back to something Jim mentioned earlier, and we talk a lot on Good and Grounded about mental health and the impact that the pandemic has had on mental health. And I'm curious, I know you have made a huge difference in the schools and putting community gardens in these schools. Will you tell me a little bit about how this program came to be in the schools and what, I'm really curious, what sort of impact you have seen from witnessing these programs literally flourish in the schools? You know, in our school garden program, so, uh, you know, 74 of our gardens are school-based community gardens. And, you know, and the idea is that, I mean, these are learning spaces. These are spaces of calm and wellness. And, you know, like, like it's not just what you sit, you know, sit at a desk learning. I mean, there's so much more outside. And, and to the mental health piece is, you know, I actually just, I led a panel on the therapeutic use of 
community gardens for kids with special needs. And we had folks from Firefly Autism and the IRC and Denver Public Schools and just calling out, you know, the act of gardening, um, you know, executive function, you know, working in community, mental wellness, calming, you know, just calming and finding place and stillness to then go back to your life, you know, in a much clearer way. And what we're really starting to talk about, you know, with just as far as the benefits of gardening is, you know, if a kid's acting up and instead of punishing them, you know, what happens when you send them to the garden? Everything diffuses like universally all the time. Like this is such a universal truth. And so the power of using, you know, these outdoor spaces to, in, you know, integrate and as, as a tool, as a learning tool, as a, you know, discipline's kind of the wrong word, but, you know, in the toolbox of the school is huge potential. And we're still just, just to be frank, I mean, coming out of the, out of COVID, I mean, the schools have been so overloaded and so overwhelmed. So we're really looking at how do we support the schools with our own team because the teachers are so spread thin. So, you know, how can we give them more tools to, you know, to really integrate these gardens uh, in the fullest possible way? And, and, and then just the last thing is our school-based gardens are community gardens. So we are kind of unique in how we approach this. And it, what it does is it ensures that the garden is thriving when the kids come back because there's been people there gardening it the whole summer. But the other thing that it does is it, it weaves together the community and the school because they're, they're actually working together on this garden. And everyone who gardens on a school property has to have a background check, just so you know. But it's really, uh, it's such, such a nice way to bring, you know, to bring everyone together. It may, I'm sure people listening to this are thinking, how do I get my school involved in this? So if you are a school um, administrator that's interested, what is the process and how do you decide? So I would say go to Doug.org first and download that guidebook and see if, you know, if it is truly something that's interesting. Um, and then you can follow up with us or, uh, you know, we're at dirt at Doug.org, you know, if you're interested in starting that conversation uh, around bringing a garden in. And the demand is so high. Uh, we're actually trying to figure out how to, you know, how to support that because we're at the point of just building about two new gardens a year. We could probably build 50. Um you talk you talk about how the school connects to the community and in that way through the gardens. And one of the things you mentioned at the top was was um, how you how you kind of uh, realigned your mission, vision, values a little bit. And you talked about regenerative agriculture, and I know that's a big focus for you um, as the executive director and where Doug is going. Um, can you tell us a little about what that is and and what you're doing to expand Doug's efforts when it comes to regenerative ag uh, currently? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, regenerative agriculture is uh, or regenerative farming or regenerative gardening. It's, you know, it's this in, in our country, you know, in our society, we've sort of gone to this very extractive approach to farming. I mean, if you look at climate change and you look at the impacts, the food system is actually causing most of the damage, which is appalling. Right. This this system that's supposed to feed us and nourish us is not only killing the planet, it is killing the humans. Regenerative agriculture, on the other hand, is rebuilding, right? Is that, you know, humans have been growing food on this planet as long as humans have existed. The earth continues to survive and thrive and replenish every year. Totally different what's, than what's been happening in the last, you know, century. And so it's going back to those practices. And it, the foundation of all of the regenerative agriculture is the soil, right? The soil is the most, it's, it's like our skin, right? If we didn't have our skin or healthy skin, 
we'd be nothing. Everything would disappear, everything, you know. And with regenerative ag, through composting, through no-till, through crop rotation, through all of the practices, again, that have been in place since human existence started, we can live here forever. And so it's, it's truly simple practices. It's, you know, at the end of the season, don't rip everything out, right? Sort of a naked garden is actually not a healthy garden. You know, you don't want your, your soil to be bare while you're growing things. You want mulch, you want other things, especially in Colorado, where we essentially live in a desert to protect the soil and to retain the water. It's pretty exciting. And, and one of the things, one of our new initiatives kind of along those lines um, this year is we're gonna be introducing food forests um, to our gardens. And that's really sort of an extension of regenerative ag and permaculture principles by introducing perennials and vertical growing spaces um, really for biodiversity, to protect the soil, to retain water um, and more shade. So, so that's really exciting. So we're gonna be adding food forests, um, perennials, bushes, vines um, to existing dug gardens. And then going forward, we'll probably be doing some freestanding food forests as well. This is what happens when an entrepreneur takes over a nonprofit, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but this is a really fun part of our episodes. We do this every so often with people that make us curious and we know are, are fun to hear from. Um, so this is a lightning round. This is our chance and our listeners' chance to get to know you a little bit better personally. A couple questions for you. Jim and I'll just bat back and forth. So here's the first one. We know you're a runner. Do you have a favorite race? Oh gosh, well, I'm about to do rim to rim to rim on May 21st. Uh, I don't, that'll either be my favorite or my least favorite, depending <laughs> on how it goes. Uh, the favorite race I've ever run is probably the London Marathon. That's awesome. Uh, real quick, explain to our listeners what the rim to rim rim is because I don't want to let it go without giving you credit for what you're about to do. So yeah, so it's so you run across the Grand Canyon. Uh, so uh, north, I don't even know which direction we're going. And yeah, and so we're doing, um, you know, south to north and then taking a rest day and then running north to south, uh, running or walking or hiking, depending on how it feels and depending on if it's over 100 degrees at the base of the uh, canyon. Yeah, well, kudos to you guys for doing that. Um, last one, what is your hidden talent? And I know Laura's answer to this one is always parallel parking. She's great at parallel parking. Um, not so great at not getting parking tickets, I will tell you, but she's great at parallel parking. Do you have a hidden talent or something that isn't, you know, uh, an everyday thing that you're, you're just good at? Oh gosh, pretty good at parallel parking, but I'm not going to challenge you on that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think the thing that comes to my mind is I really like to make people laugh, especially really grumpy people is how can you break through? <laughs> That's a great talent. I love it. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for entertaining our lightning round. Um, I, one kind of summarizing question, I guess, just what, what's next for Doug? I know you, you have some exciting new beautiful garden beds going down at Commons Park which by Union Station, which I walk by frequently. I also know land is limited, expensive, it's precious. How does Doug continue to grow and, and expand on its mission? So we've actually, um, we've put in place a bold goal um, to sort of quantify, you know, where we're going. Um, so where we, we're 2022, uh, by 2030. Um, so right now we have 33 acres under cultivation. Our goal is to get to 50 acres. Right now we grow or 650,000 pounds of food is grown in the Doug network. We aim to get that up to a million by 2030. So that's where we're going, but how we're gonna do it isn't necessarily building a bunch of new gardens. Um, it's the food forest that I talked about. It's going deeper in Denver with the network to you know, help 
increase yield and productivity. Um, it's even backyard gardens or, or, or um, you know, balcony gardens. It's just helping and supporting people in Denver to grow more, more food. Um, so yeah, so we just, just going deeper, doing more of what we do, making sure that we're equitably supporting the community and connecting the community. All right. Well, we always like to leave our listeners with a call to action, something if they're listening to the episode, they can do to get involved outside of corporations, jumping in and partnering with you. Are there other ways that your everyday citizen can get involved with Doug? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could become, you can, you can support Doug as a steward, you know, which is sort of monthly support or just join Doug online, which is our online community and just help us grow this community. Um, you can join a garden. We still have spaces and gardens. And then the last thing is that we, we're a volunteer run organization. We have 15 people here. Um, but we really run this organization based on volunteers. So if you go to our website, um, we have constant volunteer opportunities. Some of it is just helping us pack seeds in the office. Some of it's work days. So please go and see what those volunteer opportunities are. Get outside, get dirty, hang out with your friends uh, and join us. It's perfect. And you gave me a parenting tip. When my kids are fighting, I'm sending them out to the garden to work it out there. Linda, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time and um, we're, we're excited to, to see what is next for Denver Urban Gardens and the community. Well, thank you guys for, for the invite, for what you do, and this was a blast. Okay, so my one cool thing for this episode relates directly to gardening in Denver Urban Gardens. I had the pleasure of um, taking some some paid time off and, and part of my trip included taking a, a, a trip to Copenhagen, uh, Denmark. And if anybody's followed Copenhagen and what they've been doing culinarily in the last like 20 years, it's just kind of exploded and it's all around the idea of fresh farm to table kind of produce, things that you can go out and find in season and make a menu around whatever you're basically going out and foraging or finding in your garden or whatever's in season. And I think, you know, just super timely with our interview with Denver Urban Gardens to say, man, get out there and plant your garden. There's still time, it's June. That tomato that you plant today is gonna taste like a hundred million times better than the tomato you buy at the grocery store. And so get out there and get your hands dirty and, and uh, you know, grow some produce that you can enjoy later this summer. If you like the episode, if you like any of the episodes you hear, uh, please share with your friends. You can obviously find us on Spotify, on iTunes podcasts, on Podbean, where basically wherever you listen to podcasts, um, subscribe and let's get out there and do some good in our Colorado communities. Mm-hmm.